You're listening to The Hoof of the Horse, a podcast dedicated to farriery and equine science with Dr. Simon Curtis. This episode of our podcast today is sponsored by the Hoof Care Essentials Foundation partner, Piranha. I've come down to the east coast of the North Island here in New Zealand and I've had the opportunity to meet up with Ryan Harris Hayes and we're going to talk about his life as a farrier here in New Zealand. Good morning Ryan. Morning. All right Ryan the first thing is much as you have a very Irish or English name uh, you're actually a Maori descendant aren't you? Yep. And so your whole family are Maoris? Uh, well, I would say two-thirds. Two-thirds? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I noticed your son, uh, now you're going to, I'm going to get this wrong, um, but your son's name is Naitiaka. Yeah, Naitiaki. Naitiaki. Yeah. I know I'd get it wrong. Sorry about that. So, so why have you given him a Maori name? Uh, my great-grandfather who um, died when my father was, was young, and he's, he's the youngest sibling in his, his family, um, his name was Jack, so the Māori name for Jack is Tiaki, um, and for for him to carry on our our name um, from where he comes from, we use the term Ngai in front of Jack, which sort of means like the the sub tribe of Jack. Okay. Which which is Ngai Tiaki. All right. Well, that's great. I'm still not sure why you haven't got. Why? Why haven't um. My uh, my mother um, and her parents split at, at her younger age, and she was raised by her grandmother, who was English. Yeah, like full full English, and and we were we were born full up, English. That yeah. sounds like a breakfast. Yeah, yeah, doesn't it? Um, but so yeah, um, super grand. She raised mum, and then we sort of were brought up along those lines, until later when we got older and we started going back to the marae and learning about oh, our Maori side and that. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Okay, so how long have you been with horses? Um, pretty much all my life I've been around horses, yep. What, your family had horses? No, or? I'm, I'm the only one in, in my family that has anything to do with them. So you've, you've been with horses all your life, Ryan, but how'd that happen? I mean, was that from one-year-old, four-year-old, ten-years-old? Yeah, probably, um, I'd say, three-year-old. I can sort of remember through photos um, first going on a horse, but that was because my mother used to drop me off at a distant relative or second cousin to mum um, and they were a horse family and it just grew on me from there more or less yeah but what were, were they using their horses working uh, horses um, or, or they were radio? a sh- uh, show jumping pony club sort of a family but her father was a hunter yeah and by hunter i mean uh, hunter gatherer not not tally ho yeah it, that the, yeah it was a workhorse so it was a means of transport to to get into the bush and, and catch pigs and deer and, and harvest and carry them out. Okay. Yeah, and that's where it all started for me. Oh, that's a proper use of a horse. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that, that's great. So you've been riding just about all your life. Yep. But how did you become a farrier? So the sales around horses all my life, was, there's a, there was a patch where I, I, I wasn't, and that was when I got sent to um, secondary boarding school to a hostel. Um, and just because I wasn't, I didn't have access to them, I was away from them for sort of two or three years. Finished secondary schooling, did all my education and stuff to be an engineering architect and ended up going shearing instead. So my parents were wrapped about that, not. 
and um, just through sick of travel, of, of sharing, moving every six or eight weeks, you know, continuously moving, um, yeah, I thought I'd have a winter off and stay home in New Zealand one year rather than travelling with the sharing, and went back to um, casual shepherding, um, where they had horses on the farm, and just with the upbringing of what I knew, we, we used to shoe our own. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the best shoeing to what I know now, but we got shoes on, horses were soundish and, and got the job done. So I'd done the two we had on our on our station, on our farm, and then who later I was employed by Drop Good. The neighbouring farm, they had half a dozen or so they, they needed to be done, and they rang up and said if I wanted to go and watch. And that was the first time I'd seen a proper blacksmith farrier shoe a horse, and they did six in like three hours, and it used to take me all day to do one type thing, hot chewing, the anvil, everything, just, oh, I was drawn, drawn to it then and there, yeah. yeah. So let me just take you back though to the casual shepherding. Yeah. So did you do that on horseback? Yep, yeah, the, um, one of the country down in the back blocks of, of um, Taranaki are quite steep and, and um, clay soils, papa, blue papa they call it. So. Steep? I've driven through valleys here and, and, and the hills are like cliffs, aren't they? Yeah, they and are. The, and the cattle get up yep. and, the, and the sheep yeah, yeah, really high, don't they? Yeah, it's animal country. Eh? Like, um, you, you can dig tracks out for your four wheelers and and tractors and such, but um, yeah, the 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 maintenance on the tracks is quite high. You know, weekly, just yeah. about. So, when the when the digger can't get up there to the to clear the tracks, the the horse was always there to just get on and climb over the the slip and carry on. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And is it all motorbikes now? No, 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 it is. Um, slowly the horse is coming back to a lot of the, the, the backcountry farming blocks, eh? Yeah. yeah, because of that, you know, all, all the tracks slipping and just the maintenance can't be done fast enough and you got to feed out or shift brakes or whatever, so... Well, that, that's wonderful. Well, I think it's wonderful. Yeah, right? no, it's good for us, yeah. Uh, I, I, I always had this bit of a theory about when there were lots of working horses about people do tend to get screwed down for price a little bit. Yep, yep. And yeah, what once was is, is coming back, and the, the appreciation of them is, is coming too. You know, like when when I was in uh, Taranaki, they were sort of snuffed upon. You know, yeah. yeah, bloody horses eat too much grass, and you know, such as you can have four cows to the horse sort of thing. But yeah, yeah when the horse can get you to work and and reclaim, you know, your, your calves or, or your lambs or so on yeah it, it's, it's and so would you have to for example rescue a lamb and have it on the front of the oh horse, not, not so much the lamb yeah now and again you might have to take one back back to the yards and put them on the bottle to get them going again but um more more the calves it was at that time just yeah going out and checking the cows and make sure that yeah, they're able to push the calf out and you might have to put the lariat on the calf and help pull it out now and again or stuff like that yeah but uh, a basic the basic use of the horse was just to get out and um you know, oversee yeah, everything, places that you and, and then you could yeah. rush back down, and if you needed more help, then you could sort of push to get the, the digger up to clear the track or whatever, but, yeah. Okay. So you went to the farm next door, and you watched uh, Jock show a horse? Yep, Jock and Lane, Lane was there, he was the, the apprentice at the time. Okay, and then you got an apprenticeship yourself with him? Yeah, I hassled him for for a little while, and because I was, I was still working on the farm and, and doing a little bit of shearing, um, you know, to keep the income up, I'd... I'd do a day's work experience with Jock every now and again whenever I, whenever that could could work out, and then eventually yeah he he put up an apprenticeship for me and um, yeah I was lucky enough to work with him for three and a half years. Yeah, well that sounds oh three and a half years yeah yeah oh well, that's a good time. Yeah. Good period. 
And, and how far from here was he? Or is he based? Taranak is on the west coast, so we're virtually on the opposite end of the All right, so of the island. Yeah, but due to secondary schooling and stuff, I was already in that part of the country, and that's second home to me, really. Yeah. Yeah. And so, what type of horses were you shoeing in your apprenticeship? Everything. Yeah. Okay. Well, Predominantly race horses, uh, thoroughbred race horses. There was a few trotters and, and stuff, but yeah, show jumpers, dressage, pony club, Clydes. Oh, you had some Clydes. Yeah, trekkers, sport horses. And mounted did, games, yeah. And did you have to make uh, did you have to make the shoes for the? We the we did uh, quite a bit of shoe making, um, mainly for the hacks and you know, if something needed a bar shoe, you know, show jumpers and that. But now nah, not not as much as I'm doing now, yeah. But uh, he Jock did sort of push it upon us to to make shoes, and he'd send us like down to the Shemanskis and um, where else? Well, mainly to the Shemanskis, but we'd also go down to Patrick Crowley's and. Jordan Applins and you know other farriers around the country who were sort of more upskilled in the forge than yeah. Jock was and pick up what we could there and take so, it home. So what proportion of the horses that you show do you make the shoes for? Now I'm I'm at about half and half. Yeah, but yeah, that's it's, it's just a, a new new thing to me this season that I'm, I'm pushing up, you know to do myself. Well, we're going to go around and and I'm going to take some pictures you make some yep. shoes in a while, so we'll we'll see that we're right next door to your forge. Uh, you've also got into rodeo, or you've been in rodeo a long time. Tell, tell me about that. Uh, yeah, so from the pig hunting horse, which was sort of versatile um, before rodeo, was horse sports, we call it here, which is similar to mounted games, but more um, cowboy associated, so there's no vaulting as such. Yeah, it's all on horseback, everything, you, you don't jump off on, on and off. Um, so yeah, pole bendings, flag racing and uh, barrel racing um what else yeah th th those type of games anyway so yeah the the hunting turned to sport horse um and horse sports and then from there ventured into rodeo and i got into bull riding and bronc riding for a little bit how many bones have you got broken oh i only broke one in the end so that wasn't too bad but um yeah that was that must be a record no oh, now there's there's some older guys in me still going in, in there. no no but i mean yeah. a record for just one fracture one fracture yeah no believe it or not there, there's quite a few guys who make it through without um, doing too much damage so the bull riding you have to stand for four seconds eight eight seconds yeah okay yeah and that must seem like a lifetime while it's happening oh yeah it is especially when you get a, a trash you know one that's got no pattern as such or yeah, they're a bit scrubby all over the place. It's hard to stay on. But kids in a mortgage soon changed that, and I dropped the bull rope and picked up the the lariat and and transferred to the the time events end. And now now I'm mainly just um, team rope and calf rope. So team rope. So there's two two yeah. of you that come out. Yeah. So and, and so they release the a steer, and two of you what come up either side of it. Yeah, or? one each side. So steer's got horns. Um, I'm on the left side of the steer. My job's to catch its catch the horns and, and turn it left for my teammate to come in and, and rope the, the two back heels mm -hmm. or the hocks of the of the steer and um, yeah once he's sort of stretched out in a straight line then time's so you, up. So you're judged on just Speed. on time, how yep. quickly you get it done? Yep. And what's the fastest you've ever done? Uh, what have we gone, 6.9 is okay. yes, our, our quickest with the Tony, Tony Church this year. Yeah. 6.9 year. So how often do you do this? Oh, for me, it, um, like at the moment, it's the shoemaking and the forge is taking over this time of the year, winter. Um, when we get closer to 
October Labor Weekend, I'll, I'll get the itch for radio again and the horses will come in and, and the forge will, will dampen out. So that's sort of how my year goes, yeah. Well, I love the fact that you say winter because we are in the middle of winter in New Zealand. It's about 14 degrees today or yep. 60 Fahrenheit, somewhere around that. Uh, so it doesn't feel like winter, but my goodness, it's raining. Yeah, it's wet. But I think you told me that this is also the hottest part of yeah. New Zealand. So it gets pretty hot, what, January, February? Oh, no, I come back to November through to um, April, May. That, really? That, yeah, you, we don't get much rain around around that time. Yeah, yep. well, you're certainly making up for it today because I'm yeah. not sure if I've ever seen this amount of rain anywhere. Um, okay, so, so you're shearing a variety of horses. Now tell me something completely different because you mentioned to me uh, that you didn't have a very good Facebook experience. So what's your advice to people about Facebook? Just be careful. Um, no matter what you do and where you are, there's always somebody looking with their bloody phone handy and it even can be a, you know something as... But it wasn't something you'd said on Facebook. No, was it? it wasn't even something that I had done. That's what I mean. That's how dangerous it is. I, I, I got um, accused of, of some work that I didn't do and was put forward to our association and such. And it got posted all over um, Facebook. And um, we, yeah, we ended up having to go through the legal system to ask you to, to take it down and, and um, apologise, which, which didn't happen in the end, but she took, took the post down. But it was, it was quite damaging to my um, business for, for a little while. Well, I expect there's lots of people that always say, no smoke without fire. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So even if you're totally innocent and, and yep. had nothing to do with the horse, that there's still, still this the, residual yeah. memory of people. And um, so that, that was four or five years ago now, maybe four, but there are definitely benefits of, of your social medias and, and getting yourself out there if you're, um, how do you say it, oh, not mature, but strong <laughs> enough to, to ignore all the nonsense eh? and just, just carry on, focus on what you do. But um, yeah, I, I was a bit younger then and try to take things into my own hands as such, which wasn't, the best way of going about no, things. Best, so best way of going through law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it's it professional. Ex it's expensive, but um, yeah, the, yeah. That's... The old ways are gone, unfortunately. But yeah, we we live and learn. Now, now tell me something. You've you've got. I think you're the first Maori I've ever met. I'd have to say. Yeah. Um, but of course, you're known for your tattoos, and you've got both arms covered in. Yeah, right across my back. It's sort of. Yeah, my cape as such. A, uh, is that what it's called? Well, cape? it's an armour. We, we call it tamoko, um, which is, you know, like traditional tattoos. Yes. Yeah, and, and basically um, on the left side of my body, I carry um, my, my my family, mother, father, sisters. Um, I haven't extended on to, to my child, my children yet, but it goes back as, as far as I want it to yeah. um, within my, my father's and mother's um, genealogy. To, to how the Māoris first first came, as much as we know of, you know, yeah, and, and through just through story and um, how how it's depicted as each tribe has uh, what we call a, a kaitiaki. Yeah, it was a source, uh, a resource as such, but uh, an animal or a guardian angel. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. a kaitiaki is like a, a guardian angel sort of thing, that that was specific to that area, but um, you know, right around the coast. Um, one of ours is, is the stingray. Okay. Um, another one is the hammerhead shark, as as such. But that you know that that happens right along the east coast there and in other parts of, of New Zealand. But how we draw our our stingray 
and Hammer Head Shark is um, unique to us. So okay. you, you go over the hill and that's how you tell the differences of where where someone's from. So that's your left arm. What about yep. your right arm? Um, that, that, that tells the, the story of um, me leaving leaving home um, yep. yeah, to, to go to boarding school and, and, and do, do my journey there from when I left home right up to when I started shoeing horses yeah so there's there's a bit in there about see there's me as, as, as the stingray or the fire leaving can you see the map in new zealand i can yeah so he's he's taken off and he's gone right around the world and he's drawn back home by this bit of rope here well we'll get we're going to get some pictures of those tattoos yeah, yeah. but and put them up but so you you continually adding to yeah, them yeah, as it, your story changes yeah if, if you feel the need eh? that's what it is um so you've always got something to to look look back upon that's with you all the time, you know, when you get homesick yeah. or, yeah. Māori are real spiritual type people, so, yeah, yeah. if you can just have a little call upon something that's handy without having to get on your phone and ring mum or dad. <laughs> well, that sounds brilliant, Ryan. Okay, I have to ask you the uh, deep philosophical question at this point. I don't know how much of a philosopher you are, but it's a simple question, really. It's, what's the most important thing that you've learned in life? In life? Um... Be open-minded. Okay. Yeah, don't um, don't ever think you know everything. No matter who you are, at what stage or what you're doing. Like, just uh, for a recent example, I've been doing quite a bit of shoemaking and, and time in the forge over the last few years. And and at the last competition, we had to make a it was a rocker bar shoe, and and I was bouting away, and it was it was taking me a bit bit longer to stack a bit of steel into the the quarter. You know, the widest part yeah. of the, the shoe to get the the rocky bit happening. And I was, I was holding it in the tongs and I looked over and my mate next to me, he, he had already finished, you know, and he, but he was holding it in his hand. The, you know, he had quenched out both yeah. ends and he, was about, and he was able to stack it in way, way quicker than I was. But I, it's just some, you know, something like that I'd forgot about because I'd been doing these other practices. And, yeah. and, and you look over and you go, oh, that's right, gee, we used to do that when we were at bloody apprentice school. And so, yeah, that was something I could revert to at, at that time. Do you still do any competitions? Yep, yeah, um, I do as many of the New Zealand ones as I can. Um, mm. Yeah, having, having a young family and, and stuff makes it difficult now, but um, yeah, we I, I like to get out and, and do as many mm. as I can. And you've been to Eka, haven't you? Yeah, a while ago we went to Eka. Um, so tell us about Eka, because a lot of people wouldn't know what Eka is. What's that, the Royal uh, Brisbane show, I think it, it, it's under, the, the Eka, yeah. But it's the biggest competition I've ever been to. Like, it's got to be the biggest in the Southern Hemisphere. got to be, yeah. There's 60, 60 plus competitors, easy. Yeah. And, and it's open to like blacksmithing classes as well, so you get people from you know outside of the farrying world competing and... I don't know, what is it, 10 or 12 anvils going at once? Under, they, under they've been roof. expanded it this year. And yeah. I'm, one of the reasons I'm down here is, is actually to judge at it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so that's my job next week. Yep. And uh, I, I think it's going to be the hardest part of my trip. Yeah. Because they say it's a record number of competitors. They've yep. had to add anvils. And everybody down here tells me that it is, you know, a wonderful competition. Yeah, it is. Show. So I'm looking forward to it, but I'm just a little bit wary about uh you know how much i've got of course i'm i'm a co-judge yeah thank goodness because they say they had to go to co-judges because they've got so many so big yeah but awesome experience like i was only a second year apprentice um when i first went over and just instant eye-opener to see so many different ways of doing one thing you know yeah it's got to be on your to-do list as a farrier to go and just at least see it i reckon 
Well, I, I didn't even know it needed to be on my to-do list, yeah. but I'm glad I'm doing it because, yeah. you know, I got this invite and I thought, oh, that's nice. And then as soon, once I got here, yeah. everybody's telling me about it and I've realised what a big deal it is. And uh, they, it's becoming quite international. So it's not just Australian and uh, New Zealand ferries, is it? I think there's some coming from America. There's yeah. even some coming from South Korea. South Korea. There, when I was there, there was... Um yeah, Canadians. There's the Canadian dude come over, and yeah, all, all sorts. But because New Zealand's so small, um, and there's some top guys here that go over and, and do well. John Bryant and Pat Shemansky and Marcel. He done, he he done all right one year. But yeah, to go over there and, and see the best of our best way yeah. up with the best of of Aussies is, is quite cool. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah. as I say, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to Australia Aussie. in yep. three days. Yep. And uh, then, and then at the end of the week, I've got Eka, so I'm looking forward to that. Okay, so you speak Maori. Do all Maoris re- retain Maori, or do some of them let it go? Yeah, that's not. Yeah, that's a quick answer. Is a lot will let it go. Um, most in this area, where there's a Maori preschool called Kohanga that that you attend to is pretty much from the age of one, unless um, your parents go and and help look after you before that age. But one through to five. And it's just, it's, they're, they're drowning it, you know. They, they go to the marais a lot, which, you know, are our traditional meeting houses, and they're, they're just fully submerged within uh, Māori dim, so it's just in there. And then, depending on which way you want to go, but we, uh, the last, my second youngest son, he's gone to a bilingual school, and we noticed just within sort of six or eight months, it, it filtered right out because just the, the day-to-day practice was gone, and... Um, but how do you keep your language up then? Well, yeah. Do you meet up with mates or something? Do you talk? Uh, nah, not 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 as such. But um, every sort of gathering, you know, funerals or birthdays that are associated with the marae and um, any family meetings, it, it does come back to you. Okay. Um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna test you out now, and of course yep. I have no way of knowing whether whether you're gonna say what I'm gonna ask you to say. Uh, I wondered if you could say, Madam. Please bring your horse in from the rain so that I can show it. I'm going to have to um, cheat a little bit here, to yes. be honest. Well, now, you told me that you can speak the language. Ah, uh, okay. So, just to be blunt, I'd say, Ekui, which is uh, a bit cheeky to say, Hey, old lady. Okay. Mario mai tōhoeho, bring me your horse. Ki fari, under the shelter. Ki te ua, out of the rain. There you are. I knew you could do it. Yeah. You worried me there. I thought you was going to just go to Google Translate. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's brilliant. Look, we've got to get outside um, because I don't know. Has it eased off? No, it's still raining just as hard, is it? So we're going to go outside and we're going to see you with a horse and go around at the forge. But I've got to really thank you, Ryan. It's uh, you know we did this on the spur of the moment. Yep. And uh, so thank you for taking the time out of your day. No worries. And uh, we've had a great chat. So hope to see you again. Yeah. All right. Cheers. Thank you. We'd like to thank Hoofcare Essentials Foundation and their partners for sponsoring this episode. You can find out more information at hoofcareessentials.com. You can follow more of Simon's work on Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Simon Curtis. To get in contact, please email the hoof of the horse at gmail.com 
And for everything else, go to drsimoncurtis.com. Thanks for listening.